Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. <sighs> Back from Cleveland. I've got one question for you, sir. What's that? Did Cleveland rock? It actually kind of did. It was, it was pretty nice. You were visiting for the purpose of going to the Cleveland Fan Expo, but that's not all you did there. No, no. I, I was I was remiss in my first trip and completely left out uh, an important cultural touchstone that's just right there across from the convention center. Uh. Paul Brown Stadium, to where the Browns play. <laughs> well, that's there too. But uh, uh, is that where the wait? Is that where the Bengals play? That's a stadium. I think it's where the Bengals play. So I was wrong. Never mind. Yeah, uh, that is where the sports are. So that is not where my uh, intel, uh, where my information. <laughs> yes, it's like that is where the people in the costumes that take the ball on the one side and then go to the other side go. I don't know. Don't know. Um, no, uh, we're talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was, it was fantastic. That's not what this episode's about, but I would be, <laughs> I, I can't not mention it because it was super cool and had so much stuff in it that uh, if you get a chance to stop by there, maybe we'll talk about that in another episode at some point, but it was, it was fun. Well, if you go to the Cleveland Fan Expo in future years, it is a good extra thing to do or something to plan around besides strictly the expo oh it's definitely something you can fit in i mean it's, it's first of all it's 30 bucks a person so in terms of cost not bad um and it has six floors of just stuff memorabilia and uh, video and audio snippets and interviews and just just history just plain history um, just, it was, it was so much. I, I wanted to take pictures of everything. And if you want to take pictures of everything, as long as you leave the flash off, you can. Um, could you take any pictures of Soundgarden things? Um, no, no. because they're not in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not, not yet. Just give it some time. There's Alice in Chains. That's true. I got a good picture of the, uh, puppets they used in the Jar of Flies video. It's one of the bits of memorabilia there. It's like, oh, that's that's too cool. That's pretty fun. But, uh, yeah. No, what we're actually here to talk about is the Fan Expo. Uh, we just got back uh, recording this. I've been back a, a handful of days now. Uh, it takes a, takes a little bit to get there from Bloomington, Indiana. Six-hour trip. A six-hour. Well, we're if you want to go to Chicago from here, it's about a five-hour trip. If you want to go to St. Louis, about a five-hour trip. If you want to go to Nashville. Also, about a five-hour trip, so about the same anywhere you go. Yeah, so all all cool places, but this one had a conglomeration of just pop culture love and a, a number of comic book vendors. I mean, if you're looking for some some harder to find issues, there were a number of people that that had a a significant collection. I'm talking about some deep cuts. Um, so. Um, we were actually talking to Stuart Sager uh, 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 at, at another point. There's going to be an episode that we're going to have with him in it, a fantastic artist talking about liking uh, romance comics from a certain period. Saw some of those. Uh, so <laughs> Nice. 
Yeah, you uh, you you can you can find anything uh, at at some of these conventions. Uh, pick yourself up some fudge, some new games. Uh, obviously, artwork. There's plenty of artists there that the a variety of different types, and it's just it's really quite nice. Now we've gone together to conventions in the past. We went to PopCon. We went to NWI Comic Con. NWA. No, not quite. But uh, that that's also cool, but no. Yeah. <laughs> but uh this one is a little bit bigger than either of those conventions. Uh though not the same size as say a Gen Con or an Origins or definitely not a Comic Con. Um you can go through the entire space in a day pretty easily. And and I'm talking about take your time, stop by each booth, take a look around you'll still get through the whole thing in a day. Um, it's it's really nice. Who was performing? Oh, yeah. He's here to rub this in. Um, if I had known ahead of time, I found out from a particularly helpful individual at the hotel that we were staying at that uh, my favorite band was performing uh, around the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the day I was leaving. And that would have been Soundgarden, or Soundgarden, sorry, Seven Dust. Uh, I'm still mad about that one. If I'd have known, I would have stayed an extra day just to go to the concert. But I had already planned everything out, already paid for everything, and it just wasn't going to happen. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. But uh, as far as Fan Expo goes, um, you, you just a, a wide variety. They tend to be s- focused on the people that you have a chance to meet. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of stuff to buy. There's plenty of... Uh, knickknacks and 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 other things but you're going there to meet comic book artists and writers and uh, people in that industry you're going there to meet voice actors and you're going there potentially meet cosplayers uh, you're going there to meet actors a uh, big name actors from stage and screen they always have some big names uh, of a variety of different things so you're you're often going to get somebody you like and they try and be thematic to a certain extent get several people all from the same set of shows mm-hmm. um doesn't always work out that way last time we went there was a, a large smallville panel large smallville yeah uh this time i think they were originally going to be going with uh sons of anarchy was the bigger draw oh yeah i can see that but uh unfortunately they had one of the individuals uh drop out at the last minute so he didn't Mm. didn't show up but he still got two individuals that were on that show in a panel uh uh, theo rossi and um ron perlman Perlman. or bigger names so you you got some good ones right right so that's uh it was it was really interesting it was it was well put together i should also ask if there were knickknacks, are there were there paddywhacks too? Those were too expensive. I couldn't couldn't afford them. Okay, gotcha. But you know what? Uh, don't don't take it from me. Uh, if if you're wondering what kind of the difference is between what it was, which was Wizard World, and what it is now, which is Fan Expo, um, I had a chance to talk with one of the individuals, kind of behind the scenes that helps make everything happen. His name is Jerry Milani. Fantastic gentleman. And he can help uh, explain just a little bit about what is what. 
So we're here at Fan Expo with the fantastic Jerry Milani. If you remember, we had the opportunity to speak with this fine gentleman back in 2019, and we're back now with a slightly different name. It was Wizard World before, and now we're Fan Expo. What happened? Well, Fan Expo is a great company that has run shows for years, and of course, Wizard World ran shows for 25 years. And over the pandemic time, a different group was working with Wizard World and sold the six shows, six primary shows, including Cleveland as one of our six biggest shows, to the Fan Expo group, which now runs 17 shows across North America. So Man. the former Wizard World shows, including Cleveland, have become part of that, the Fan Expo family. That's crazy. So it's it's not just a change in title; it's a almost a change in in the field because there's so many more shows. Has that has that changed the way that you, uh, as a group, approach putting on the shows? Is it a lot more difficult? There's some changes in the background that people really don't notice. I think. I think what they will notice is that this is the old Wizard World show supercharged. So there's just a little bit more. Everything that there was at the Wizard World shows that you love, we still have plus some. And that's just some of the way Fan Expo handles all of its shows, all the way from Megacon to the Canada shows to the new shows they're putting on out of out of starting over in San Francisco to taking the Wizard World shows and kind of expanding them into the Fan Expo brand. So what fans will notice is the excitement and everything they loved about the shows plus without knowing about how the sausage is made. All you want to know is what's the sausage taste like. I don't know. I never, I never had too much problem personally with seeing the process of it. it. It gives you, I think, a greater appreciation. So, what are you most, what are you most excited about this year for the show? You know, my favorite thing about these shows, the Fan Expo experience, is fans meeting each other who love the same things. So you can come here, and yeah, you're going to meet William Shatner, and that's really great. But the Star Trek fans who meet each other and go to panels and see things on the show floor, see things in the exhibitor area, and get to interact with one another where, you know, the last two years we've been interacting with each other online and on Zoom, and that's great. And we got the opportunity to, to, to meet maybe a broader range of people from that. But now you come to our shows and in person, you get to dress up in the Spock character. You get to see someone else expressing their love of the Star Trek and the other franchises other people who love the exact same things. That's my favorite thing about Fan Expo. Now, you've been doing this for how many years now? My first show that I worked for Wizard World was 2009. Wow. I attended a couple shows before that. So this Cleveland show, we started in 2015, so I've been to every one of these. So I've been to almost every Wizard World show since 2009. Uh, 2009. Uh, a couple that I didn't work, um, that I had someone helping me with. But yeah, I mean, I've seen the growth of these kinds of shows from being mostly for fandom fans, mostly for some specific fans, to growing to where the whole family can come and have a good time. So throughout the years that you've been doing this, what are some of your favorite memories that have been surrounding Wizard World or now Fan Expo? Meeting Richard Anderson, who was the boss in Six Million Dollar Man and, and did 50 other movies that he had his stuff out for. Um, was a big highlight for me. Sometimes you don't know when you come to a show what you're going to like the best about the show. And I had watched Six Million Dollar Man. I hadn't in a long time, but I love Richard Anderson, but didn't know how much I would love him until you meet him. Sometimes they say, you know, don't meet your heroes. But the great thing about the celebrities that come to the Fan Expo and to Wizard World and to other Comic-Cons is they love coming out 
to the shows. They love coming out and meeting fans. So the meet that you get with celebrities that come to these events is going to be a great experience. And to me, watching people yesterday, I was over in the in the celebrity area, and Rob Paulson, a, a fan, came up to him, and she was maybe in her 20s, and she was bawling, crying. She was so happy to be meeting him. You don't know. I wasn't privy to their conversation, but I, but I've been to others that you don't know what someone's role and someone's character has meant to their own life. People go through difficult times and sometimes the comfort of certain characters or playing certain games, Charles Martinet has this happen to him too. He says, people come up to him and say, just being in, just experiencing Mario and it, it meant something to me in my life, very important. And you know, we're having fun and this is a great time, but we're also touching people's lives in a way that you can't get just from feedback you do online, meeting people in person, there's something special about that. Well, and you can see that with some of the returning uh, individuals that contribute to part of this experience. I mean, there are uh, groups that are charitable that have been here multiple times now. Uh, the individuals that, that run the, the, the Ghostbusters and the, and the Star Trek uh, exhibits, they've, they've given back to the community uh, multiple times. Um, is, is that kind of part of what, is that part of the mission statement, kind of what you hope this kind of convention can be? Yeah, fan groups like the 501st and the Ghostbusters groups, and we work with them, different chapters all across the country, and now with Fan Expo all across North America, to be honest. Uh, the groups are, 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 are all over. Yes, because this is a very inclusive environment. This is a very, we do a lot of, you know, we don't make a big deal of the work we might do with some charities. It's not a media thing. You're not going to see stories about what did Fan Expo, what does Wizard World do with different organizations, different groups, but you know, a lot of tickets, a lot of giving people opportunities that may not get a chance to come and come to Comic-Cons and experience them. Right. Uh, and what these groups do, these fan groups do in, in being so charitable is just adding to that aspect of this is an inclusive environment. We want everyone to enjoy this. We don't care what you look like, where you come from, any of your background. If you love the things that we love, then we love you. Well, one last question I have for you then. For Not everybody has had the opportunity to go to a convention at all, much less a fan expo. If you are somebody that's going to come to one of your fan expos for the first time, what is, what is some advice, what is uh, some information of etiquette that uh, somebody is new to the experience may need to know. Just a little bit of planning. It doesn't have to be where you've tried to schedule your day out like a work schedule, but in a little advanced planning and looking at the things that you want to make sure you do and highlighting those, we have an app that's really good at you click on the things you want to do and it'll send you a little reminder. Oh, it's two o'clock. You wanted to go to that Star Trek panel. Oh, it's three o'clock. You wanted to go to the gaming. Just planning the four or five things that you want to make sure you get to because there's so much happening at our shows that you can easily get lost in the expanse of going around and all of a sudden you look up and it's three o'clock and you miss that two o'clock panel. So target the things you want to make sure you see because when you get here, there's going to be 50 other things that are going to distract you that are going to feel like you want to make sure you don't miss them. It's hard to do everything in one day. Usually most people who want to experience everything that's going on will come multiple days. Saturday's the big day. Saturday's the day where kind of the most is going on. If you're a little crowd averse, 
Friday is a great day to come because you're getting here before the big crowd comes Saturday. Maybe you're getting some merch that maybe you'll have the first opportunity to get. And some of the celebrities, a chance to go to meet them on a Friday when not as many people are here is always is always like is fun but there, there's something about the saturday at fan expo that has a different energy to it so if you're into the energy that's the day to come well i want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us just a little bit and i hope the rest of the day at fan expo here in cleveland goes as well as it went in the past when we were here at wizard world same here i think it's going to be a great one thank you so some really uh, interesting information uh, great guy he uh He's always been forthcoming with a lot of behind-the-scenes knowledge, which is, is nice because we don't always get to look behind the curtain too terribly much. Um, Lots of moving parts. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. But the thing that really gets me is the, is the way that it's put together. The, the line of people, if you go, that you should really acknowledge is right before you get to where all the, the mainline celebrities are going to be. That's where all the comic creators are. They've, they've done a version of that in every every con that I've gone to. But, you know, the people that make the cool stuff, that that's where they are. And so you had a chance to to talk to, like, uh, Mike Grell, who had a great panel, by the way, talking about storytelling. I got to catch a good chunk of that. Uh, I unfortunately couldn't quite get there at the very beginning. I had to catch some of the end, but uh, or some, uh, not some of the end, but some, like, about uh, a third of the way into it. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you like Arrow, he is, uh, the reason that Green Arrow is kind of the way he is now. He was responsible for some of the changes that updated some things, but, uh, you know, Tony Harris has some great stuff. If you're a fan of Starman, um, uh, Kevin McGuire, Howard Mackey, I just absolutely adore, um, that, you know, just some great names of, uh, some, some people that were there now once you get to the actor side of things be prepared to stand in line and autographs and photo ops you sometimes buy online sometimes buy there sometimes it has to be in cash especially if you're going <laughs> up at the time uh, but uh, you you may have to wait but I have it has never failed every individual that I've seen has been incredibly gracious and you know just love seeing the fans or at least shows that they love to see the fans when they're there um well they are they are actors yeah yeah that is that is true uh there was an interesting contingent this year of um crunchy roll uh english dub voice actors so there's a, a panel that uh christopher sabat and um i'm i'm spacing uh, justin briner Right. Uh, they were both involved with. That was that was pretty interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, the voice of Mario was there. It's not something that you'd expect, but it's a me. He, he was there. <laughs> you know, the Futurama the, uh, voice actor. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, I saw William Shatner for like three seconds. Just enough to recognize... It was William Shatner, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, it's like, yeah, uh, so much going on now. That's where the real, that's where the real fun is, though. The panels. This is where you get a chance that if you're not wanting to necessarily pay fifty to a hundred and twenty dollars for an autograph or uh, 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 some sort of 
photo op or whatever. You just really had this burning question. You always wanted to ask one of these actors. They'll have microphones. It's Q&A time more often than not. Um, and, you know, just you, you can go up and find out some really cool stuff. Um, one of the ones that we saw on Saturday was for one of my favorite actors of all time, Mark Shepard. I mean, if you're, are you familiar with Mark Shepard at all? Well, he's in a show that you've fondly counted all the dead bodies in. Yes, yes, he was in for sure uh, many, 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 many seasons of Supernatural, but he's also in Doom Patrol, and he was in Leverage, and he was in Doctor Who, and <laughs> just his his IMDb repertoire uh, is substantial. Checks all the boxes. Yes, so. he does. Yes, he does. Um, uh, he talked about uh, a number of things in this panel, including uh, being on uh, Firefly, which he was on that too. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, don't uh, don't uh, don't take it from uh, don't take it from us. We have a portion of the panel that you can listen to right here. That's right. That's right. Whichever one you want. You can sit over there, you can sit over here. Wherever you want to be, I will join you. Wherever you want. Did you shower this morning? Um, twice. Okay, good. Hey, guys. Excuse my distinct lack of energy. I was working until 3 a.m. in Atlanta. Are you allowed to tell us on what? Yeah, the Doom Patrol. Um, and then I was picked up at 5.15, went to the airport and came here. So, no sleep. So I'm like seeing things about now, so that's what good. So if you want my autograph and you want it to look like an autograph, you better come see me before the day is out. I have no idea what will happen to my uh, rising by that point. I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad you guys are here. I've always wanted to do this my whole life. Hello, Cleveland! Hey! Only been better if I was in Pittsburgh and said that. So, no, no, no. Do you know this poor person over there dressed as who are you dressed as? Is that Constantine? Oh, oh, but notice whoever that is has no friends (laughs) because they dress that way. Is that a Castiel costume? I've never heard of her before. Mm. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, yeah. What to expect from me? It's not that. Little show called Oh, he's signing. That's so good. Uh Uh-oh. Do you believe that? Oh, my God. It's the... Come on out here, then. If you're going to be out here, come on. What do you want? Ladies and gentlemen, we just got crashed by Michael Rooker. Jiggly, 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 butt, butt, jiggly. Oh yeah, we like jiggly butts. I couldn't agree more. Anyone know what my ringtone was? Was it jiggly butt? No, it was better. Um, So we're we're doing an episode of Supernatural and 
and I'm on a date with uh, Jody Mills, right? You remember that? And she has no idea who I am. It's a blind date. But of course, you lot know who it is, so it's kind of fun for me. And uh, so we, sh we shoot what we shoot. Of course, you don't have telephone rings and you know inserts and telephones done when you're doing it. It's done afterwards in post-production. Second unit will shoot a picture of a hand answering a phone or whatever. So there I am on set, and it's like, you know, and so Robin the Prosco did all of our dialogue for us, which was fantastic. She, you know, so be like, the phone rings in the middle of the state. So she goes, ring, ring. I pick it up, and I thought it was really cute to say, this is the king. So I said, this is the king, and I'm talking, obviously I'm talking to Dean. By the time it got to post-production, it was done, I saw about four and a half months later. Um, so the scene is, you know, I'm looking at, at Jody, the phone rings, I look down, I pick it up and I say, this is the king, right? By the time it finished, uh, I'm talking to Jody and then suddenly hear, I like big butts and I can't And I'm like, and of course it doesn't register on me because I never heard it, but to you guys it's just, oh, that's his ringtone. And I looked at, apparently I looked down yeah. and they did an insert shot and oh the insert God. shot the post-production did of the uh, caller ID that was calling me was not Moose. <laughs> which is how that all happened. Wow. So, and the reason why we got Moose and Squirrel was really simple because Jared is six foot five. He lies about his height. He's six foot five. I know my brother-in-law is six foot five. Jared's standing six foot five and at my wedding. It was like the six foot five club. The most annoying people I know. I was doing fine the other day, I met somebody who was seven foot one, somebody took a picture of it, and I was like, oh God, I'm back in Vancouver. Everybody thinks I'm short, I am not short. He's not. On that show, I am short. Six five, oh yeah, so uh, Jensen's wife, you know, was, was uh, uh, somewhere, and so, oh yeah, your husband, oh yeah, yeah, he's on Supernatural. Which one is he, the tall one or the short one? <laughs> Six two. Yeah, so I'm the short one on the show. Wow. And one way, which is even worse, once upon a time, um, I, was, I, was at a, I was doing creation conventions back in the day. I just did one the other day, which was really fun to do. And uh, some girl came up dressed like that. Mm. She was very nervous, but she was very brave and very courageous, and she got up to the mic, and she said, uh, um, what's it, I, I really love you, and I really like your character, and I really like what you're doing, so really, really good, what's it like working with Jensen and Jared? I'm like, why don't you go and ask Jensen and Jared what it's like working with me? Being typical me. There's a video from the same day her waiting in line to be the first person to ask Jensen wow. and Jared in the text. I really love you working with you, really love you, and I really love you. What's it like working with Mark Shepard? <laughs> and without a pause, the two boys looked at each other and went, short. Wow. What disrespectful. Evil. Disrespectful. If you want to know, if you want to know what our behavior, I mean, we spent, I spent nearly a decade with them. Good God. Um, <laughs> But we worked hard and we played hard. And, and you know, the gag reels are funny and the stuff that's not too obscene ended up in the gag reels. Some of it's hysterically funny. Uh, but if you ever want to see what we were really like, we would go every single year to drag uh, to Comic-Con and right. do all age. Misha would buy pizza for the entire <laughs> line. 
who were sleeping outside the night before. I mean, it was extraordinary stuff going on. You know, and it was all, there was always you know, stuff from Gishwas and all these amazing things that Liverpool was involved in. And you guys always like came in behind it and made it a thousand times bigger, which we loved. And but Misha and I had been there since Friday, having to do all the press for the year, and that's where all those photos come from. And me and Misha doing piggyback and insulting each other because we're bored to death. We only have a limited amount of things we're allowed to talk about for the season three in episode three or four at the time. And we would literally do the press that would be used the whole way through the year. So we did like 120 interviews in a day and a half. And then the boys would breeze in and come and do a few at the end and we'd go to all age. But then after that, we'd all go over to where Zach Levi would have Nerd HQ. Oh yeah. And Nerd HQ used to be under the bleachers. And if you want to see what it was like hanging with us, watch the Nerd HQ panels. Because I'm not sure, but they may be drinking. I don't drink, but they may have been drinking at that point, and it is really funny. <laughs> I mean, we're just four of us just laughing like idiots for now. So if you want to, you want to see, you know, who would you like? That's what it's like. Never let four of us be together at any point. Everybody picks on Misha. But anyway, I was going to say. So the whole thing about Moose. Yeah. Right. So he's he's incredibly strong, Terry. Right. His upper body strength is no, no. He's up. He's not giant, but his upper body strength is ridiculous. He flips four hundred pound tractor tires like all day. But I think he's got legs like a chicken. Oh. Which he hates me saying that. You're probably trying to kick me. But but the truth is, so we gone through calling him Gigantor, Mocking the Lumberjack, uh, I don't know, Johnny Green, all those fun things. And I was when this went on for a better part of a year, and then suddenly taking one look at him. The writers and myself were in this amazing position of going, Moose, because he's got little legs and big body. But not little legs, I mean, they're this tall. Which is basically what, you know, you know that the, the, the Moose is a, is a, a car driver killing delivery system. Because it's basically sticks with two tons of something on top. Absolutely. So it's kind of like that. So that's Moose. And then when you have Moose, you have to have Squirrel. We had Moose, Squirrel, then not Moose. And then you end up with Boris and Natasha by the time you finish, so it's kind of Anyway, I don't know what, how I'm talking about. I'm asleep at this point. Do we have questions? Yeah, we're what? all entertained. Yeah, if you guys have questions, there's two microphones over here. Um, I did want to ask you, uh, out of the 167 no. seasons of Supernatural, did you have a favorite? Season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, season eight. Season I mean, season eight was extraordinary. Indeed. What happened is like, you know, the first five, first five was supposed to be was Kripke's beginning middle and end right. and he had an end and then it was like <laughs> we're not ending this and then Sarah Gamble came in and did an extraordinary job in six and what's funny about season six there's some of the best standalone episodes that ever were ever done you know we had the Bobbies, French Mistake, all those things in season six which are really great episodes um, and um, I don't know it was just it was an extraordinary thing seven the Leviathan this year would have been a great season 12 I just think it was, to have a, a one that was a through single line story was very difficult that early on in the show. There would have been a really good, I think Leviathans would have been a great later season. It would have been a really interesting thing. And then uh, Jeremy Carver came back, who is my current boss on Doom Patrol. And uh, he went, oh good, angels and demons, let's go back to what works. And uh, I think season eight is extraordinary. I mean, from the beginning of that, all the way through to the, the angels falling, and all that incredible stuff. And of course, 
being in the church and the human blood stuff, which is like my favorite episode we ever did. I think it's all of our favorite episodes in, in, in a way, as far as acting is concerned. That makes sense, that makes sense. That next to Demon Dean. Since we got we some... should have gone on more than three episodes. Where are you going? He's, he's gonna line up at the microphone. Was that that bad? Yep. <laughs> You're never gonna find the bathroom this time of day. Hello, friend. Who's got a question? Come on oh, over, come on over. Hi, Rihanna. This is Rihanna, and Rihanna is doing something that is much needed. Hey. Bringing me a cup of Rihanna is the polite person that you'll meet at my desk. Love so it. So she looks after me, and I'm like, well, you're a lot more polite than I am. <laughs> um, that goes without saying. But that's the person that looks after me, and I love her very much. Give some love, y'all. Yeah. I love it. What do you want? Hi. When do you want it? Crowd. Oh no, whoa, 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 right, whoa, right. whoa, whoa. I have a different question than Supernatural. I no, you fit in with this show. crowd, you're welcome, and you will always be welcome. It's on now. I don't ever think that you are not loved. Listen, <laughs> listen, this is the weird thing. Like, I'm 58 years old, and I remember when liking comics and liking graphic novels and liking other shows or liking Doctor Who or liking Trek or liking Battlestar or whatever meant you were weird and people didn't talk to you. Um, I think we've inherited the earth. The geeks have definitely Say inherited the earth. Yes, we have. What I love, I'll tell you what I love, is like looking at you guys, you're literally wearing your heart on your sleeve. If you think about it, you're wearing your heart on your sleeve, which is brave and bold and courageous. People wanted to kill me when I dyed my hair in 1976, 77. But that's the thing, is it's all changed, you know? Tattoos and piercings and all that. We, we've done it. We've literally changed the course of the way, I mean, the best thing of all, the best thing of all right. is they used to serve us television. Right. And they used to decide what they thought would work for us and shove it at us. Post Firefly, shall I say, um, with the streaming services that we have and the people we have, we have become the deciders of what it is that we like, and we support the things that we love. And what is it that you love? Doctor Who. Doctor Who. There you go. That's amazing. My fellow Whovians, make some noise. So, any, is anyone here not watched Doctor Who? Okay. I'll tell you what's, what's fascinating. You do not have to start 50 years back and work your way forwards. I did that though. It but, was great. But you can. You can do that afterwards. My personal recommendation is start at Fish Fingers and Custard and work your way forwards. Because <laughs> that's the best writing and the best stuff we ever did. Hey guys, nice to see you sneaking in the back. Do you a nice view of the pillar? Um, but yeah, it's it's. What, what's your who question, my darling? Curious what the uh, so I have not watched Supernatural. You behind the times, but what is the difference for you, like uh, working on the set? Of Some of these people's children have watched Supernatural. I know they watch Supernatural, <laughs> and their moms us. and dads have watched <laughs> Supernatural as well. A regular character. Like, I'm always difference? a regular character, whether I'm a guest star or not. <laughs> I, I, went to, I went to go on Supernatural for one episode, and I was there for eight years. <laughs> Why did that happen with Doctor Who? I loved your. Well, the thing with Who is that's Moffat's era of Who. So, if you don't know about Who in England, the thing being is, um, I was 
I was asked if I wanted to do these two episodes. There were 11.8 million viewers in England, a country of under 70 million people, of those two episodes. It's mind-blowing how popular it is. And it went from the most underfunded television show ever made in England to being uh, one of the more expensive shows ever made. So pre-Crown, it, it was the big show that was being done. And the writing, if, if it's season six, where Bryce Starr uh, is written by, obviously, Stephen, Stephen uh, Mark Gatiss, Neil Gaiman, I mean, writing individual episodes. I mean, it's mind-blowing how good it is. If you haven't seen it, and you want to have an idea of the best of it, as far as writing is concerned, and execution is concerned, start season five, Fish Fingers and Custard, and work your way forwards, and then you will go back, and then you can go decide who your favorite doctor is and all the rest of that stuff. But the difference, I've always been that guy. I mean, it, it's, it's weird. It's like, if there's a little lull in the series, they bring me in in season two, or whatever it is. You have it right up. I have a, all my friends are not actors, apart from lovely people like Rooker and everybody else, but, but my friends are genuinely showrunners and writers, and they've been unbelievably kind to me over the years. And the funny thing, the stuff you love that I happen to be in is the stuff I love. I've, I've enjoyed it the most. The things I've enjoyed doing the most are the things you guys have enjoyed most watching, which is, I've been a lucky dude. I mean, can you imagine having a job where you actually love what you do? I haven't been to sleep. I'm talking absolute rubbish. <laughs> let's, see if let's, let's, see, let's see if he's picked up English, uh, English signing here. English. Ready? I'm talking bollocks. Can you do bollocks? You don't know how to do bollocks? Up and down, cup your hands like, cup, up and down, one each. No, one each, that's bollocks. Up and down, left, right. That's bollocks. That is bollocks in the English sign language. I promise you, I've been abused by many a signer in my time. You got a new one, right? <laughs> For all the kids in the audience, uh, on Monday, don't do this at school. Okay. Do, actually, actually, that's not true. That's how I got here in the first place, but um, bollocks is not a bad word, and I've said it on TV before nine o'clock in the evening, so it's all not, right. Fair game. it doesn't have the same connotation as a lot of other things, because something can be a load of old bollocks, or it can be your bollocks, which is a different thing. Um, but it's, it, it's very odd, you don't have that in the American language where can have your testicles actually mean a load of rubbish. That's true. That's true. It's an odd thing. I love the duality of them. That's diabolic. It is diab diabolic soul. <laughs> In an island, it's bollocks. So, uh, good stuff, right? Very interesting. I think so. He's, he's a funny guy, and he, he actually really does. It shows that he adores his fans. Um, and uh, adores the position that he's in and uh you know as you could hear it's just something that he feels privileged to do which kind of makes sense because it's uh it's, it feels in a lot of ways like it could be kind of a dream to do something like that he's got a good fan base you know it's uh it's a different type of fan base than you know like standing outside of the line as you walk into stuff cheering and yelling it's more of like they really get into the subject matter and when you have someone who cares about presenting that subject matter you then become a a pretty quick fan favorite yes indeed and there's a lot of people that fell into that that kind of uh aside that like katie sackoff's a, a huge fan favorite i've never been kind of a, a 
a fan of some of the shows that she's been on. I still haven't watched The Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Michael Rooker um, is, you know, obviously got a, a large following. Uh, and as you heard, he crashed the, the panel briefly. <laughs> yeah, Michael Rooker's, I guess I never really, the things that he were he was in before, I never really noticed as much or paid as much attention until he showed up in the walking dead. And then you look back at all the things like, Oh, well that's him. Oh, that that's that that's him. So like now he's a face that always just kind of stands out to me. And, uh, Katie Sackhoff, she was in, in the Mandalorian. She plays a character, but she is actually the voice of that character in was the clone wars series all before that. Right. So it was nice that they brought, the animated actor actress and brought it to real life within the Mandalorian, meaning everything kind of remained consistent between the cartoon and the actual live action presentation. Now I'd say the winner though, in terms of panels in some respects was probably David Koechner, uh, which I saw his panel kind of, to be fair, um, I was waiting in line to, uh, (laughs) to talk to Kevin Smith. Um, uh, And I'm, Glad it was going on because his panel was really awesome too. But uh, he, I, I feel like he won because he got he got a little girl asked uh, for a hug. It's like if you're a if you're going to have uh, the, the best kind of display of love from a fan, that's kind of awesome. Did he at one point in time ever say whammy? If he did, I did not hear it. Mm. He probably did, but I. I unfortunately, I had to keep my eye on the ball because one thing I've noticed, anytime I go to any sort of convention or any um, Universal Studios or Disney or whatever, if I'm in a line, that is where everybody wants to cross right in front of me, no matter where I am in the line. Mm. I have never understood that. Uh, I must, it's like I, I have a sign on my back, cross right in front of this gentleman. He'll get out of the way. He does not mind you bumping into him at all. Uh, well, maybe it's more... When you wait in line, you don't stand on the person's shoes in front of you, right? Like right. you're not breathing down their neck. No. You give an adequate amount of space between you and that person. So then people see that like, oh, there's a gap right there. It's kind of like if you're driving down the road and you're going 80 and you just save a little space between you and the person in front of you. So that means someone else can just, you know, cut in right in front of you. Get 100%. That, that annoys the hell out of me. It's That's... Uh, that's a buffer. It's a safety buffer for a reason. It's a safety buffer. Don't. It's different if you're going 30. Right? Yes. Like it's different. If you're going fast and you, and you, you got to put on the brakes, you got to, you, you don't need to ride bumper all right. the time. Right. right. It, speed limit is 70 in most of the places going between here and there. And people were not driving 70. No. So if I have a safety bumper, uh, buffer, it's there for a reason. So please don't do that. Uh, my favorite, just beside the point, my favorite bit from the trip in terms of just truly atrocious driving, and there was a lot of it, an amazing amount of bad driving, was the gentleman that was, he was, uh, you know, I, I get this thing whenever I see somebody that's going really fast, and it's, you know, you hear, you remember from all the shows, you get that sound of the car, whoa, instead I hear, me first. <laughs> So that's what I hear. So I had one of those me first guys uh, that's uh, I was in the center lane. He was 
in the fast lane, and he was seeing how the traffic was going, and they were not going nearly uh, as fast as he wanted to go, which seemed to be somewhere around 100 to 110 miles an hour. Uh, so he cut over from the fast lane to the middle lane to the slow lane across to the merging lane that still had about two lanes between it before it actually became a lane and part of the highway so he could get around everybody and continue to go the speed that he wanted to go. So he found the, the path of least resistance then. I guess. <laughs> I don't know if I would consider that uh, the path of least resistance or the path of greatest stupidity. But, uh, yeah, that, that could have easily gone very, very wrong. Because I don't care how good you think you are as a driver. Can you guarantee the people around you are that good and won't do something that will cause you to crash? No, you can't. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who just are not paying attention to things out there. Right. Drive safe, people. Absolutely. Our PSA for the day. Um, so I was I was making some interesting uh, interesting uh, commentary and voices. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of voices, back to the matter at hand. Um, there was one other panel that I attended that I just happened to to get a huge kick out of, and that was a panel for uh, Janet Varney, who. If you were a fan of this, she uh, voiced Korra in the Avatar sequel, Legend of Korra. And she's been in a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, and she's truly funny, uh, a very, very funny person. So I, I, was, I was floored. I mean, you never know who's going to show up to what panels. But it's like, okay, if you know anything about anything, you need to be at her panel because she's like I said, she's super funny and very talented. It's like, well, there's a handful of people here. There should have been two to three times that number of people at that panel. She was she was great. Bunch of rookies. But uh, please forgive some of the audio quality. We're going to attempt to compensate for this a little bit. They were having some PA difficulties. So uh, her microphone worked, but some of the individuals asking the questions or the, the host, as it were, a little difficult to hear. We're going to attempt to compensate and make that as audible as pass uh, as uh, audible as we can, but enjoy a section of the panel with Janet Varney. So I can't believe you guys aren't seeing Shatner. You're welcome to go. <laughs> I did not know my panel was at the same time as William Shatner. That was a very intimidating moment. Oh, yeah, questions. That's what makes this good. It's all your questions. I'm going to increase the wheel a little bit. 
Please, Roger, please. I saw you were you a fan of the original Avatar series. I was, okay. and it was very intimidating for that reason. Well, you know, you just, that's like the legacy, and wow, it was very scary. I had to like turn that part of my brain off. That's fair. Did you have a favorite character? Oh, oh, oh boy. Again, Wish Grey was here, love Azula, love a villain, um, love Toph, love Sokka, love Aang, love Katara. No, I don't have a favorite. I can't choose. Is there anyone I didn't like? That's a great question. Is there anyone I didn't like? I doubt it. Wait, so who yelled something? Ozai. Jason Isaac? I mean, he's so good. He's too good. I have some issues. I have some issues. I love the Kevin. Don't get me started on the Kevin version. Who? I love the Kevin version. Um, yeah, I really like. I mean, I have some issues with Jed.
I'm, I'm gonna be their ambassador today, that's all. The first one is sort of a Sure. Although you did play Cora, what bender would you normally be if you were not the Avatar? Yeah. Um, and number two, I did not know that you played Injustice Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, how do you feel about her character? Well, I mean, the whole that whole like that whole sort of alternate storyline of Injustice is intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, uh, now I'm like uh, super. What kind of bender? Oh, bender. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm like real torn between earth and water. Um, I I'm not patient enough to be an airbender. That it would I would absolutely would be the person who was like, just I'll just smash into it instead. Um, bad. Uh, and then fire. I, I don't know. I don't trust myself. I'm afraid also that like I would use fire and then I would be the person who's like, oh I should have done that. Oh no 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 no. I'm so sorry. So I feel like earth and water, and then just like my personality, or maybe a little more. Um, not right. 
and so my path was like very kind of long and meandering in that I loved performing as a kid and I did I just did it in like public school, went to school in Arizona and was just like doing the school plays and stuff. Um, and then when I went to college, I was like, you can't make a living doing performing, this is dumb. And so I sort of avoided it and then like, I was like, but I don't know what else to do. And so then I did go to school for theater and then as soon as I moved to San Francisco, I was like, well, that's over. Like, again, not gonna be able to do that. So it took me a long time by way of friends who like forced me to join a comedy troupe of improv and sketch in San Francisco that I ended up like being scouted by agents in LA and like going to the Aspen Comedy Festival that HBO used to run. And then I got a theatrical agent and then the theatrical agent was like, you should really have a commercial agent if you're in LA. And so I had that and then they had a voiceover department and I said, oh, wait, that's where I wanna be. Like what's going on over there? I see people like going, preparing like cartoon scripts and what a fantasy to get to be a cartoon voice. So I, you know, at that point, had taken all of this improv and done all of this other kind of acting, and then I took voiceover lessons specifically for, you know, sort of technique and that kind of thing, and then I was able to start auditioning for voiceover. And I continued doing on-camera stuff, which is like what most of my jobs have been, um, but in part because, you know, when you're doing different stuff, it's hard to sort of just be get through one channel. And then for other reasons, like if Brie is available, I would give her the job too. So <laughs> it's like, unless she's booked up, I probably won't get it. Uh, we're just totally fine. Again, these are my heroes. Um, so it's different for everyone is kind of the point. If the fact that you're already pursuing voiceover right now is great, I mean, you're getting such a head start. I do always recommend taking improv. I know how crazy and scary that might sound, even for people who aren't planning on performing on stage, or maybe not even performing, or just interested in being cartoonists, or being uh, producers, or being directors. It's just a wonderful way to get out of your head. And that was the main thing that it brought to me, was like, oh, I can end listening, like just listening. And when you're auditioning for stuff, it helps so much to sort of respond in the moment and be open to if someone says like, oh, that was great, um, I'd love to hear it. Da, da, da. Sometimes when you're when you're preparing something, if you've just done kind of the acting of, of it all, um, you feel like, oh, this is the way I'm gonna do it, and you practice, 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 and then when they tell you to break that, you're, you're like, I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't, I've, I've been doing it this way though, don't you see? So that's the great thing about improv. So I always say it's great to take um, it's great for RPGs. It's great, like there's just nothing it's not great for. So um, that's a great way to also meet people who are interested in the same stuff oh, yeah. too, and to do grassroots stuff. Like, and then we formed this group, and then that person went on to, you know, like a bunch of people who wrote on Avatar were like in comedy groups together in college. It's crazy. Improv um, can do wonders. Improv can do that's wonders. Right. That's right. Uh, we've done it a bit at the academy. Oh, nice. We had like a full like unit. Yeah. Um, our teacher comes to so many things. Sometimes it get a bit awkward when you have to go off nothing. Oh and yeah, so it's definitely terrifying. One skit, I don't know how we got here, but there was a dumpster syringing and then a banana. Wow. <laughs>
about that vending block. Yeah. Right? You gotta get that dog. I don't know where that dog is, but whatever you can do to get the word yeah. out. We're looking for a missing dog, possibly kidnapped. Uh, we're gonna come together and we're gonna find this dog for you and then we can deal with this vending thing. That's right. That's the oh, man. I got you. You're good. I got you. You're 
Really? I suppose for some time. Any time. Any time. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to ask how you handle the fight scenes in Avatar, because I imagine it'd be harder than just regular acting. Since it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. As Dante said, you know, you don't have any martial arts training, then you get into that, you get behind that microphone. Everybody's a bender. <laughs> Everybody thinks they get like kung fu. Um, that is what happens. Like you feel like, okay, well, if I've you know learned how to act in the physical sort of acting space, then if I'm throwing a punch, I guess I should throw a punch. Except you're in a small room, like with a chair behind you and a microphone in front of you, and maybe a music stand. And so finding how to get that was the hardest thing for me for sure. Like the emotion stuff was so easy, especially because the writing was so beautiful, and you know you're acting amongst fantastic actors. And if you don't have the actors, you have Andrea Romano, who is a wonderful actor. So all of that came very easily, but yeah, when you are doing ADR and you're seeing the stuff that's animated, first of all, you have to get past the magic of just being like, oh, can I just watch it six times for fun before I have to do anything, because this is so cool. Um, trying to make those sounds work, especially like falling, like you, you want to make the sound of getting further away, you know, and they don't need you to do that, because that's what like sound artists are for. So you're like, sure, I'm falling. <laughs> no, that's not correct. Like, you fall, we'll take care of the rest. So that really was the hardest, it was a great question, because that was definitely the hardest for me. And then you just sort of try to get used to it. Also, running in place, like, sounding like you're running out of breath, that is a one-way ticket to passing out. I mean, <laughs> if you ever, like, don't do this, like I tell you not to, but if you have ever tried to sound breathless, yes. when you're not really breathless, you will give yourself a head rush so fast. You will be like, oh, I'm gonna pass out, give me a second. So just figure out how to do that stuff and like having people around you who've been doing it forever, like your Dee Bradley Baker or your Gray or your, even your, your Dante, although he started, he was in the same position I was when he got Zuko that I got Korra, but like by the time he was Iroh, he had been doing you know it long enough. But, um, but it really helps to have those peers around you that are like, let me tell you what to do so you don't pass out. Don't die. Yeah. Question. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Um, so I adore Cora. I can't wait to introduce my daughter to it. Oh she's a little bit older. How old uh, is she? She's three and a half. Oh, she's so so I've tried to ask her many times. Scary. She's not really going. Yeah. Um, oh, it's too scary. But another show that you did that I'm not excited to introduce her to um, uh -huh. was a show called You're the Worst. Which <laughs> <laughs> my life. I was so worried about where you were going with that. Oh, just <laughs> like, yeah, we pulled back. Uh, can you talk a little bit about just because it seems like that would have been the most fun set to be on? Just it was you know, great. And also, do you have an answer for who is the worst? Mm. I mean, I did always. My, so I, yeah. So this is live action. It was on FX. It's a great show. You can watch it on Hulu still. Um, it is so good and is so dark and funny and real and um, absurd, but really treated, like it approached, for example, mental health in such a profoundly real, honest way that um, I get a lot of feedback, not unlike what Cora goes through. So you have these weird through lines where those two shows really couldn't have anything less in common, but then you have people who are, who get, you know, feel seen by both for the same reason. Um, it, that was a wonderful set to work on. I miss that cast so much. Uh, any opportunity to see any of them, I'm there. And I played a total asshole. Um, and How? I do feel she was the worst. I feel like she had the least redemptive qualities. Her name was Becca, and she was just very, you know, like entitled. And I would not say her wardrobe was something that I would do. Uh, but anyway, she was, and she was like very mean to her husband, who was kind of an idiot. He but deserved 
but I always feel more sympathy for like the, the, the people who just make stupid decisions than like the ones who, you know, take advantage of that and <laughs> exploit that. Um, but yeah, it was a blast. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah. I'm really glad you liked I, it. Um, I actually brought a food processor gift to you, but oh. got, uh, you got taken away from the pizza Amazing. Shark, so. What about trash what? juice? No trash juice? <laughs> yeah, there's a pop check. They, they yeah, take anything yeah. that's extra sharp and, you know. Fair. Wow. Fair. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. Just an amazing talent. So much fun. Um, Lots of uh, guests that really knew their stuff. Right. Um, and the, the funny thing is, like any convention, you're never going to be able to do everything, especially with panels. There's just too many, and they will be at conflicting times. You're going to have to pick and choose. But generally, the good news is, no matter what you get, it's going to be good. Uh, these these people know what they're doing. Most of them have been doing the convention circuit for a while. Um, and it comes through. I mean, really, they, uh, they appreciate the people that attend. They, uh, They're there for the enjoyment of the guests. Maybe to make a dollar or two, and that's okay. But they know that uh, their business, their livelihood comes from the fans that are there. And so they appreciate all the people that really have that interest and that involvement because that keeps them entertained, but it also keeps them employed. You know, a little bit of everything. Absolutely. But uh, what do you think, dear listeners? Uh, was the guest list particularly interesting? Would you have liked to have heard uh, a panel from somebody else? Well, too bad, because I didn't get any of the other panels. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go next time, <laughs> That's right. listener? <laughs> but uh, have you had some interesting stories uh, related to conventions that you've attended in the past or people that you've met? Uh, you know how to get a hold of us on social media. Uh, we didn't break in the middle of this episode for it, but you know, you you know where we're at. Pudding guys, pudding guys, and real pudding guys. Yeah, it's not hard. And uh, we also, of course, are on Patreon, where for just one dollar, one dollar per month, you can help support us in our creation of new content. And uh, we're going to be having some new stuff pop up on that relatively soon. Uh, I know I've been saying some things are coming. Uh, real life has gotten in the way over the past six to eight months and slowed that process down. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to allow it to slow us down anymore. It is time. It's time to make something happen. I think it's going to be something you all will like. Um, Nachos. Maybe not. They're on much. their way. Nachos. <laughs> but until next time, uh, we will be, so long as everything goes well, next week reviewing Multiverse of Madness.